Welcome to Manifit Podcast, where we explore life-sustaining and changing strategies in everything fitness, food, and faith. So pull up a chair and sit at the table with your hosts, Jay Hiller and Jesse Rothman. Top of the morning to you, Jesse. How are you, man? <laughs> What's up, Jay? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thought I'd put a little Irish into the spice this morning. Well, you do look Irish, so. Yeah, but I don't really know if I like genetically am, and I'm a little bit concerned about taking the 23 in me, but that's beside the point. So, Why? Why are you concerned? You don't I don't want to find want- out. I don't want to have my DNA electronically documented somewhere. That's just that's just me personally. But that's that's fair. Who's to say it's not already die uh, genetically, yeah. digitally out there? I mean, you're probably right, but all the same. So I was talking to a bunch of people at work, and we I got on the topic of habits. Shocker, but. <laughs> Um, we, you know, run your life for the past month and a half. Yeah. 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 But they were talking about different examples of like where, um, they saw habits that they wish they had. Um, and I was kind of discussing different things and I thought we'd like give it a shot of kind of helping them out. And then where we've seen success, because we've, we've talked about the atomic habits with J, uh, James clear and his cue card. And mm-hmm. I think that's really beneficial. And to like start out with it in the mm-hmm. beginning of the day, it's really simple, but carrying it over to like work mm-hmm. where you have other individuals with other intentions and uh different emotions different backstories different days i mean not everybody wakes up with uh roses and coffee i mean sometimes people wake up and the clouds kind of gloomy and it's raining on their parade and they're struggling i mean what do you think you know i I actually that's kind of interesting you you view it that way because when i was going through the the scorecard kind of looking at stuff i was looking at I kind of like just set work aside. I just went, boom, work, four hours, then you lunch, and then it's working in for another five, what, four, five, six hours, and then you're home. So Mm -hmm. I never thought about the habits within work because of all those variables. Like there's too much to really control and think about, at least in my, our field with um, physical therapy, having patients come in, um, that it's hard to really have a consistent habitual day. Like, yes, I'm going to work with people. Yes. I have my habitual routine with everybody that I do. Um, but even that's going to change based on the variables that that Mm -hmm. person comes in. So I, I think that's very interesting because I never even considered to think of it, um, in that regard, like how do we, you know, continue to succeed in our behavioral change, our habit formation. Yeah. I think there are so many variables. Yeah. I think the one habit that you and I have that has been ingrained in us since the beginning of kindergarten, that is so difficult with our job is the loaded question of how are you today? (laughs) 
I mean, that is the most loaded question you can ask a patient yeah. in across the medical field. Because yeah. let's be real. They don't necessarily want to be there because, well, they do want to be there to get better, but it's like, Hey, there's literally a million other things that I'd rather be doing yeah. because I'm here because I'm in pain or I'm yeah. like sick. So like when you just have that natural habit of saying, Hey, how are you? It's like an automatic negative time bomb most of the time. And they're like, well, I hurt or yeah. I'm not feeling good or it could be elsewhere. And yeah, they, like, yeah, they, they just <laughs> geared towards why they're there, which is fair. But, yeah. But a lot of times I think, you know, at least for me and I think from that statement, you would agree that we're just generally, genuinely just wondering, like, how are you doing today? Like, how's, oh, life, how's life going? Like, we'll get talking about why you're here, but like, what's up? How are you? Yeah, we're, um, we're trying to make an interpersonal relationship there. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily diving right into the subject matter of their attendance. It's yeah. more along the lines of. Hey, you and I have a relationship for a minimum of about a month. So right. let's sit here and kind of build. build something here. We're not robots. How do you, uh, this, this may be too far on a tangent, but maybe not really. Um, I don't know. Do you take a lot of students like PTs? I have taken two. Okay. So I, I've had two this year. <laughs> so I'm currently on my, my second one and um, he's kind of really robotic. Yeah. Like he does everything he needs to do. It, he's good at it, but it's like, I've been trying to get him to be that more interpersonal, especially when you're meeting them for the first time. Um, like how would you go about like trying to build a better habit for lack of a better word of, of being more personal, are encouraging a student to be more personal during their evaluations and, and their time with their patients to not just make sure they get X, Y, and Z taken care of. I think um, one of the, the easiest things that I always utilize is the, the, the topics across that, that are winners across the board. You got sports, you got weather, mm-hmm. you got weekends. And if you got somebody that's like extremely robotic, uh, give them the opportunity to create a cue mm-hmm. that sits here and goes to that comfortable um, topic for the patient to use. Or, or you can just tell them, hey, you need to be appropriately random for a quick mm. second. And that'll just kind of act that's as pretty good icebreaker. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Um, Though I will say that students have a hard time and and I can attest from being a student at one point um, that if you get them off track, they have a hard time of finding the track back. Yes, that that is very true. I think there's an underlying like truth in there and underlining um, just philosophy that we have to be really comfortable, secure in what we're doing to then divert. You know, the whole saying, like, you need to know the rules in order to break the rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, absolutely. It's kind of like that. You need to to be comfortable with the PT part of it in order to break the mold and sprinkle in PT while being personal. Um, 
and another that that also sits here and formulates with anybody in general in the Mm -hmm. workspace Mm -hmm. because you can be very comfortable with where you're at but let's sit here and take the old school form of the office and you have cubicles Mm -hmm. um, or an office and you're going through your routine and all of a sudden Susie or Joe pops in the door and says hey Jesse uh, you got a quick second and you're like oh problem at work yeah what's up and they're like I've got two tickets to the Cowboys game. Would you like to go? And you're like, uh, no, no, <laughs> I don't like the Cowboys. So no hard pass. Thanks. Susie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. If you're listening, <laughs> but, and, and then you have to take that same amount of effort and then you have to revert yourself back into your job and if you don't have a clear uh, habit of routine routine of what you're doing in your job it makes it very difficult to get back in and when you're talking about students I definitely see that even as our patients mm-hmm. is they will try to get into therapy and create a routine that other people are more responsible for than mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is um, they will give the responsibility of what to do next mm-hmm. to stop the timer, to sit here and get the equipment to perform the right number of reps or to sit here and perform for the right number of time. They'll, they'll give all that to somebody else, mm-hmm. but the whole idea is getting them to be responsible for their own condition or their yeah. own activities. Man. Yeah, that's real interesting. Um, how so thankfully in, in, in some regard to that, we're pretty busy and I think we're busy across the board in PT. I think we've seen a lot of burnout since COVID. Um, but um, we like because I'm busy with people and I'm diverted with between two people at a time, like I teach my people like hey press the button that's how you turn it off okay <laughs> um, like that's how we're gonna manage this but what i've seen is that just like you said like they rely on someone else and so even at home they're not doing their their exercises because they don't have that motivation of somebody doing it and then when they finish pt when they're done with pt they don't continue it and then you see the mac a year two years later and it's like what happened and they're like well i stopped doing my exercises well it's like why and so it's kind of it kind of stinks when you look at it it's because like in in physical therapy like we really are like a habit formation um field like we have we're trying to build a behavior build a a habit um that will help um them improve their lives going forward and help them learn to manage uh, their own symptoms. Like I try to tell, I tell all my patients, I was like, if I do my job correctly and you do your job, then eventually I'll be out of work because you won't need me. Yeah. Like, no, that, that's a hundred percent right. And so, um, but they don't do that until they come back again. So it really takes them like going through a process and then not continuing the process and coming back with the same issue to actually learn. Yeah. Um, I've, I've thought about that a lot and I think a lot of that, uh, has to stimulate with environmental setup. Mm -hmm. Uh, they associate the travel 
and they associate the location and they associate the atmosphere of the clinic and the medical intervention and the relationship there as the um, place for the tasks that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And when they go home, they have a list of to do's, they have chores, they have meals, they have rest time, they have family, they have all this other situation um, that goes on that they don't necessarily incorporate the workouts in there. I mean, I even have patients that are like, yeah, I've got a a stationary bike that's used as a clothes hanger (laughs) once a week. And I'm like, well, you could just move those over and just utilize (laughs) the bike. Yeah. yeah, but I definitely believe that there there is uh, some truth into setting up that environment for success. And so um, I know for myself, I've started really using my smartwatch and my mm-hmm. phone. Okay. And so I've slowly started using uh, unintentional timers mm-hmm. to sit here and cue me throughout uh, the uh, a portion of the day, and so um, in what regards, like, what are they cueing you for? So, um, more, more, more of mindfulness to like draw me back for the the actual portion of the day, mm-hmm. and so um, it, it's to make sure that I'm not because often I'll find myself going throughout the day, and then towards the end of my work day. I'll, I'll start getting tired and I'll, I may or may not uh, be trying to get into kind of like a, a rut per mm-hmm. speak or a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I utilize that timer to represent a portion of the day. Be like, Hey, look, we've got to get this done because you're going to sit here and have responsibilities um, that are later. And I've actually started noticing that as that time approaches during the day, I naturally start thinking of how I'm going to wrap something up. This is kind of Ooh, interesting. That's and so, cool. so how long did it take that for you? Like, so did it take this whole like series for that to kind of start becoming more of a subconscious automatic response or did you just now start it a few you know weeks ago and it's kind of taken a hold? Like, um, I'm curious on that because, you know, we talked about last week, I believe, about like the cortisol uh, um, natural uh, rhythm, rhythm yeah. there um, and how like usually earlier in the day they hit a peak and then later in the day they start to decline a little bit. And so when I was going through my um, habit scorecard, uh that's what I noticed. I noticed that I was really good in the morning. Like I went, I would drink water at work. I would, uh, just be more mindful, be more, um, like you said, doing the due diligence of the job and getting things done. Um, but then after lunch, I find myself like craving a Coke or craving sugar to get me through the rest of the day. And yeah. So, um, it's a funny story. It was actually a nap alarm. <laughs> to be completely honest, you you had an alarm to to take a nap or to wake up from a nap. To wake up from a from a nap, <laughs> and I had set it on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, I forgot to <laughs> and, undo it, and I forgot to undo it, and so it went off on Monday, and I was in an evaluation. I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and I, I turned it off. 
And again, I forgot to sit here and turn it off because I was in an evaluation. I was slightly embarrassed. And so I quickly (laughs) pushed it out of my mind. And so and then on Tuesday, for whatever reason, I didn't do it. And then later on in the week, I was like, hey, I could utilize this as a subconscious timer. And so I started keeping it and I just mentally started associating activities towards it. And so um, on Monday, Tuesdays and our Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, those are my early exit days. Mm. Um, when it goes off, I sit here and it cues me to be like, hey, the day's about to finish up. We need mm-hmm. to start changing gears on um, what we need to be anticipating on what we're going to do for the, the next portion of our day. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, I've kind of associated as a cue to sit here and drink more water and to sit here and do something a little bit more active with my patient to mm-hmm. sit here and push me into the latter half of, of that that work shift per se mm-hmm. because of that cortisol and circadian rhythm because i mean i don't mind saying it, it was at three o'clock and so it, it every time at three o'clock it goes off the only weird thing is is if I accidentally leave my phone on sound at three o'clock, all my texts start going crazy because they're trying to find the timer, but it's actually my phone that's going off on my desk. So, um, but yeah, I utilized that and it took probably about a week and a half, week and a half of intentionality Mm -hmm. with the thought of like what it was. And then um, it started kind of taking on its own kind of, Mm mindset but i i wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what have it you, was have you noticed um i don't know why i just thought of this but you know people who get addicted to something they're yeah. always they're always looking for an increase in stimulation have you yeah. hit, a, hit that point where you're like oh i need it to go off longer or louder or more or do you think it's been a pretty good uh, cue, a pretty good uh, reminder that just kind of sets you and each time it gets easier? I think it just gets easier because I think of a, of its simplicity. Mm. I'm not necessarily hunting for something greater, if sure. that makes sense. Yeah, not, it's not like it's giving you an endorphin, yeah, like releasing anything. Yeah, it's more of just like, hey, it's this time of day. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of redirect. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I don't have a smartwatch and I've tried wearing one, but it's not for me. So um, (laughs) I don't think that would work for me. But um, but that's pretty awesome that it's able to work for you and get you that kind of over the lull. Um, That's something I definitely need to to do better with and find Mm -hmm. a better way to get over that lull of the afternoon. One of the other things that I thought was kind of uh, intriguing when I had my conversation with my colleagues was mm-hmm. the conversation of habit formation and children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that's really, really kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, you're dealing with a child and mm-hmm. the child is kind of spontaneous and the child, child can also be um, not irrational, but they're they don't always put two and two together of what you're intentionally trying to do and sometimes they're actually intelligent and they understand what you are trying to do because you've done it so many times that they're going to manipulate it and turn it on its head and so 
I was the the conversation of sleep, getting them to bed, mm-hmm. getting them to eat, and then getting them to dress. Those those were the three kind of things that were that were kind of discussed in my conversation. And uh, as being a parent of a young kid, when I first, I was telling them when I first recognized that my son was capable of following instructions and, and following rules. I really was trying to impart upon him a routine or a habit, but it was very much subjugated to his personality and his energy level. And, um, it was definitely difficult, but I talked with them about saying, always having roughly the same time for the same activity. And it's going to go through some difficult times. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you've definitely done a lot of uh, reading in this kind of area of like lack of success. And mm-hmm. like you have an intentionality of a habit <clears throat> and like, yeah. w- let's take eating. For example, mm-hmm. you have dinner, you have uh, your vegetables, may or may not like them. <laughs> you have your meat, you have your drink, and you're trying to get your child to eat the food. Um, I do know of a, a study that was in Wendy Wood's uh, book that sit here and talked about uh, getting children to actively eat a food that's presented to them. It's not a matter of making it as tasty, but a matter of presenting yourself as a consistent variable of consuming that food and presenting that food to the end, to the child a number of times, Mm -hmm. and then they will actively eat it. And her, her point was what a, an American, uh, defines as not tasty, um, is delicious in other cultures Mm -hmm. and so like you have Mm -hmm. indian food is very different comparatively to an american food and like uh japanese style food has different twists and spices and intensity levels than that of an american's food and then so on and so forth including spice level including presentation Mm -hmm. including variable of ingredients all those things are found across the world and but there's not necessarily a singular piece of food that's like unanimously disliked right and so what is that habit that's yeah yeah brussels sprouts possibly cauliflower maybe i mean that's coming pretty hot today you got cauliflower rice cauliflower pizza but um whenever you look at it those kids they they eat everything when you just take from the the premise of looking at a global food consumption Hmm. and so like my son doesn't necessarily like to eat fish and so if if I sit here and avoid giving him that fish, then I'm actually imparting upon his habit of not liking it. Um, mm-hmm. But if I present it enough times and in enough different ways, then theoretically he would start to eat more fish, um, even if it went from no times a week to one time a week. Sure. Um, That would be considered a success. But even with that being said, 
there's this space and time that is so incredibly frustrating and it spans across so many different topics, whether you are talking about your exercise routine, you're talking about your kids eating, you're talking about your faith, you're talking about your uh, consistency at work. There's this area of like development of habit where your child almost rebels or you feel like you're not even successful with. And so, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So the James clear has a good definition of RA, a good name for that time, that time that we just kind of fallen behind the, the curve, so to speak. So he calls it, the value of disappointment. Um, oh, okay. All right. So it's, it's essentially a lot of times when we do something new, when we try to implement something, we expect that we are going to have this linear progression. Um, not uncommon, Like a straight arrow. Yeah. Not uncommon to what we see um, in, in physical therapy. Like you have surgery, people think they're just going to continuously to, to progress, but actually it's a series of continued progression with highs and lows. So mm-hmm. you're continuously hitting a new peak and then you're going to fall down a little bit and then you're going to hit a new peak again. Um, so a good couple examples of this would be um, one from chemistry class. If you remember trying to heat up water, right? Yeah. Water doesn't start to boil till about 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So that whole time that's heating up from room temperature to 212 degrees Fahrenheit, it's still getting hot. Like it's still getting to a point where it's not going to be comfortable to touch. Right. But we don't see the effects of that until it hits that boiling point. 212. Yeah. Um, So a lot of times that's, that's exactly with habits. Like we're not going to see the initial progression of what we're doing. I mean, you might find it initially, but there's going to come a time where you're going to see it feel like you plateau. Um, or even another example that I was thinking of is, is in sports and you could attest to this very well, but um, in sports, when you're trying a new technique, you're trying, maybe it's a new baseball pitch. Maybe it's a new tennis serve. Maybe it's changing up your swing. Um, there's going to be a moment, a week, a day, a month um, where your overall performance decreases, mm-hmm. but with enough practice, enough dedication, you'll actually get a new increase in performance when all of it starts to make sense and all the motor uh, memory happens and just your timing on everything starts to develop appropriately. So it, in order to progress, we almost have to regress. Um, and that's that value of disappointment. That's where a lot of people will fall off because they yeah. think nothing's happening. It's like going to right. the gym, you're working out, you're lifting weights, but you don't see any gains. You're still weighing, you know, whatever. 15 um, pounds over yeah. your goal. Yeah. And it's like, why haven't I lost this? And it's like, well, you would got to be dedicated. Mm-hmm. We got to allow the process to happen. And so it's very interesting when you look at it from that perspective. And I believe, um, from what I've read, what I've researched, that a lot of it actually stems um, 
more from our identity and our belief about what's going on. Um, and a lot of it's maybe we don't believe that we can really lose weight or maybe no. we don't think okay. that we're an athlete and we, we don't identify as athletes. So we're not going to see the gains that we want to make. And so it's easier when we're trying something new, like none of us want to feel crappy. None of us wants to feel like we're the worst. Like we don't know what we're doing. We all want to be in that comfort zone where we feel like, yes, this is me. This is, this is, I know what I'm doing here. The flow. Yeah. We don't want to be, we don't want to be vulnerable. Our, mm-hmm. our society lacks vulnerability. Um, and so really it's, it's a set of systems, you know, like we've been talking about that has to change um, in a mindset that has to change. And I believe to conquer the value of disappointment. Yes. And I okay. believe it's, it, it comes from within it's yeah. something that, that you need to take a hold of. And so from my belief, Um, whether you're a believer or not, um, you know, we can all agree that at some point in life, we felt like the world was against us and we felt like everything was fighting back. Like we, they didn't want us to succeed. And so whether you believe it or not, we're in a a battle, Mm -hmm. in a battle for our, our mind, we're in a battle for our spirit, we're in a battle for our time. Um, and so we have an enemy. If you're in a battle, you have an enemy. Yeah. And yeah, so, so that enemy is Lucifer. That enemy is Satan. He is, his goal is to sit there and make it, us a prisoner of our lives. He wants us to just lock into this lifestyle that really bears no fruit that really makes no progress in life that just keeps us in a comfortable state. Um, and so we need to, we need to recognize that first off and we need yeah, to, you don't want to keep it in the closet. Yeah. I mean, we need to be honest and whether again, if you're a believer or not, we are, we believe it, mm. it's Satan fighting against us. Um, but whether you're a believer or not, you have an enemy out there who is trying to hold you back. And so you might find yourself like Paul who, you know, talks about how he wants to do things um, a certain way and he knows the things that he wants to do, um, but then he can't do it. He always like struggles or falls. So you can find that in second Corinthians 10, three, four, five, through three through five, uh, where he talks about like, I know the things I want to do, um, but I don't do it. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And so Mm -hmm. I think we all find ourselves in that struggle of like wanting to do things and knowing we need to do things, uh, but we can't, we struggle to do it. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely agree with you and that Valley of Disappointment is a very difficult place to be. And it definitely takes some internalization and some, internal focus and those for us that are spiritual believers and are those that are are just religious minded individuals um taking account of the spiritual forces that are working against mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. that are trying to direct us from our goals and we, for me during that valley of disappointment 
and definitely feels like you have to just stick your nose to the grindstone mm-hmm. uh, per se, but it also set, sits here and gives you an opportunity to find joy in the process mm-hmm. and find a, an enjoyment and a beauty and refining what you're doing. Um, Some of the things that I've talked about with um, other athletes is it's not necessarily the, um, the stressor of the game that is uh, the most exciting uh, for some of them, but it's more of the beauty and the dynamics of the intricacies of the game. Like if you're a, for in, in my case, being a being a baseball player, being capable of to manipulate the baseball in a direction that you want it to is extremely satisfying. Now, mm-hmm. whether the pitcher manipulates that baseball and it hits the catcher's mitt comparatively to if the batter makes contact with it, as long as the pitcher feels that he did his best and that he was able to get his best work done on the ball. He's satisfied with it. Mm. He's satisfied with it. And when we look at that valley of disappointment, yes, we're not going to see the weight loss that we want to see immediately, or we're not going to see the number of check marks on our calendar of the daily devotionals that we did, or we're not going to sit here and see the, um, the number of uh, recognition memos from our boss by the number of positive things that we've uh, contributed in a day at work, mm-hmm. but it's finding the beauty um, in the process of, of doing it, uh, enjoying the efficiency in which you are capable of creating in your own habit. And then uh, I would lastly put it in doing it for the joy of the Lord. The Lord wants you to do it in ways that honor and glorify him. And so during that valley of disappointment, you can pour into him and say, look, I am doing this with the intentions of uh, representing you and representing my relationship with you, Lord God Almighty. And I ask that you would give me the strength and stamina in this time that I don't see myself being successful or as directive or as recognized or, and, and, and there's just so much positivity that you can derive from the valley of disappointment when you focus on what, how God sees you in that moment and that if you pour into and tap into that you'll actually find a beauty and that's where that routine is refining and just growing and strengthening and becoming stronger and like one natural example that i would sit here and, and and give that i've heard several times is the story of crustaceans Uh, A crustacean will sit here and it has a shell, whether you're talking about a lobster or you're talking about a uh, little crab that you buy at PetSmart. As they grow, they expand against that shell and that shell doesn't necessarily expand. And they sit here and they keep growing, 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 growing. And there's a period of time in which they are uncomfortable. They are absolutely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They need a bigger home. They need a better shell. And mm-hmm. so they'll actually crawl out and then find another one. And then the same process happens over mm-hmm. and over. Mm-hmm. And in that same period of time, they're pressing against that shell. That's similar to that of the Valley of Disappointment. 
Yeah, no, I think that's very good. You know, the, yeah. So, I mean, in Psalms 23, you know, we're not promised that we won't go through a valley. We're not promised that there won't be hardship. We're promised that God will be there with us through it. Um, If we lean on him and we look uh, towards him for that guidance. And then um, while you were talking, it also reminded me of the parable of the three uh, servants in Matthew uh, 25, 14 through 30. Um, And to summarize the parable, basically what you had was these uh, the master of these three servants were going away, was going to, away. And so he provided each of his servants a set of gold, um, like 10 to one, five to another, and then one to another. And in the parable, the person with 10 doubled the interest and got, you know, 10 back for his master. Then same with the one with five, but the one that only had one was afraid to lose it. And so what he did was he buried it. And so in that parable at the end, the master said it would have been more beneficial to me and to you if you would have um, at least put it in the bank so that it would accrue interest while I left and not just hide it to be safe. And so that servant thought he was doing a good job because he was protecting that money of his master. Mm -hmm. Uh, What he missed and what the parable is, is kind of talking about is that, you know, it's okay to take a little bit of a risk. Uh, not that you want to gamble or anything like that, but you want to be productive. You want to yes. always start to yes. move forward um, and you don't want to be stagnant. And he, and that was the idea of at the end, like he didn't really care if that servant, you know, gained him one extra gold or five extra gold. It wasn't any different than the other servants. He just wanted him to be faithful with what he was given. Yeah, stewardship. Stewardship, exactly. And and that's what we're talking in the in the value of discipline, that's what you we have to be. We have to be good stewards. We have to push forward even when it feels like we're we're fighting against everything, fighting against lies, fighting against, you know, friends, family, the world. Um or one's own thoughts. Or one's own thoughts, especially one's own thoughts. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that way too too real. Um, but so I think moving forward, um, you know, we're wrapping up this series on habit formation, though um, habit formation is kind of almost the foundation of everything we'll be talking about in the future, because mm-hmm. you need to be able to develop these good habits in, toward, in order to change your behavior um, in order to change just who you are to to be who you want to be, be who you feel like the Lord has called you to be. Um, and so going forward, we're going to talk about how we can overcome ourselves more than anybody, nice. more than anybody else. But how do you overcome your biggest uh, lie? Opponent. Yeah, your biggest opponent, the one who tells you the most lies, the one who knows you the best, your own self, your own mind. And so we're going to look at a um, probably doing a four part series um, again, over kind of the research and over the studies, but kind of focusing primarily through the book, uh, called, um, oh man, why did I just space on the book's name? Uh, winning the war over your mind. That's what it's called. Um, and so that's by Mr. Grushel. Um, so we're going to kind of dive into that, um, 
and I think it's really going to set up nice, to be honest, Jay. Uh, we're coming out at the end of summer or getting mm-hmm. close to it at that point. You know, for those of you who don't know, let's be candid. We record these ahead of time. So if you haven't, figured, <laughs> if you haven't figured it out, we're ahead, which is good. <laughs> and in part, that's because um, Jay's expecting a child um, in August. So we're trying to uh, get as much done as we can so he can take the time off he needs to, to love on his family and be there as the supporting uh, cast to his wife and, and just the father to his new baby girl. And so we do record these ahead of time. So we're looking for this new series to be kind of in August as people are getting back from summer into uh, school, which is usually a stressful time for family. Um, Very much so. Very much so. So um, we're looking forward to that. Uh, We hope y'all are looking forward to that. Um, You can always check us out um, on our uh, Instagram, on our Facebook, on our Twitter at Manifit Podcast. Um, You can check us out on Apple, on Spotify. Um, We're on Stitcher also. Exciting times where we finally got a few episodes going. I appreciate all y'all who are listening and and thank you for the support. Um, Anchor. And then then we have a website that we do still have uh, acast.com forward slash manifit only because that's hooked up to Apple. Um, So we are uploading on that also, but we also really like our new website anchor. Um, So you can check us out on anchor uh, forward slash manifit also where you can check out the website, leave us a message, leave us a comment. Um, we would, we would love to hear from y'all. Um, so yes, check out, please check out our group page on Facebook. Um, we have some polls up there. We have just some more information about different things and we're uploading two, three times a week. Um, so yeah, so check us out. Um, and then as always, may God bless you and keep you. Y'all have a great one. Thank you for listening to the ManaFit podcast. Check out our website, www.acast.com slash ManaFit, or like and subscribe at ManaFit Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions or want to just reach out, you can email us at ManaFit22 at gmail.com. And as always, may God bless you and keep you.